Hello and welcome to the 93 Talks, a podcast brought to you by the UK's largest network of state-educated university students, the 93% Club Foundation. Did you know that 93% of the UK's population is state-educated? This number is not representative of the university population and definitely not represented in the corporate world. It's our mission to rectify this and support those that make it to university. Here on the 93 Talks, we will bring you content with employers, successful professionals and community ambassadors. This is a podcast for students, by students. We are the 93% Club. Serious about social mobility. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the 93 Talks. I'm Joshua Best, your co-host, and today we've got an amazing episode lined up for you all today. Today, I'm joined by Harley and Solomon, who are both graduates for Capital One, which is a founder-led company changing banking for the good. Solomon is a business strategy analyst, and Harley is a software engineer graduate within Capital One. And how are you both doing today? Good, thanks. Yeah, I'm great, thanks. How are you? Oh, I'm doing perfect. You know, the weekend has arrived when we're recording, so I can't really complain. Um, so yeah, let's get cracking into it. Um, so my first question for both of you is, how was your initial journey into Capital One, like especially from your respective academic backgrounds? If Harley wants to start and then Solomon can chime in afterwards. Yeah, sure. So like, I feel like I'm really boring and generic. So I kind of always knew I wanted to get into tech. Like even before GCSEs, I kind of naturally fell into that. So I kind of had a rough idea of like the path career-wise I wanted to go into. So I did like kind of everything normally. I did GCSEs, I passed them, but then it kind of offshot a bit. So I got quite poorly after my GCSEs and I spent a few years out and kind of in and out of sixth form and college. And then, so that took quite a few years. So then I ended up starting uni finally as a mature student. So um, at university, I studied computer science with a year in industry and university was great I did a year in industry at IBM and then after my uni experience I was a researcher for a few months and then like kind of in my last year of uni um I was (laughs) it was like summer and I was walking down the street and a friend of mine from the year below was saying that they were um they were starting at Capital One and I was like oh wow that's that sounds cool I might apply there and that's kind of how I ended up applying to Capital One and yeah getting the job so it's it's kind of an interesting journey yeah particularly interesting I was gonna probably ask you to elaborate like how did you find your year in industry like how would you say that that aided like your overall development to then start at Capital One if you don't mind elaborating on that it definitely allowed me to see like things that I liked and didn't like without like a commitment of an entire full-time job so it was a year-long um internship and I got to learn kind of how to do things on an industrial scale so at university like things are more academic and slightly different like you're kind of doing things on a lot smaller scale but when you're kind of working in industry it's on a massive scale and IBM was such a large company as well so it gave me like a really different taste of what I was used to. Amazing thank you so much for that Harley. Solomon how was your journey into Capital One considering your academic background? So, yeah, mine was probably a bit different to Harley's in that I kind of never was set on a particular career path or route. Um, And so kind of when it came to applying for courses at university, I opted to do engineering, Um, not because I specifically wanted to be a professional engineer, but because I was very curious about how things work. And I also knew that it would play to my academic strengths in science and maths. Um, And so sort of on my degree, I like enjoyed 
the fact that we had a broad variety of projects and I felt like I developed really useful skills. Um, but kind of while doing it, I was aware that in industries, professional engineer, um, the kind of work was likely to become much more specialized and kind of a bit pigeonholed, uh, yeah. which really suits some people. But for me, um, I knew that I kind of wanted to do a job that would play to a broader range of skills um, and also just experience something a bit different. So sort of in my second year, um, I started exploring like alternate career options. And as part of that, I ended up interning at two intellectual property law firms. Um, Ooh, because, yeah, because I kind of, I knew that that kind of work kept the intellectual challenge and the analysis from engineering, uh, but also used kind of more softer skills. Um, and the work was supposed to be fairly varied. So I kind of, I did those and I enjoyed the work, but I did miss the quantitative analysis element of the work. And so kind of, I kept looking for alternate career options. And in my last year, so in my master's year at university, I, um, I came across consulting style roles and I knew that those used kind of a broad skill set. So you've got to have kind of hard analysis skills, be able to like dive into data um, and kind of really know the fundamentals of like different coding languages or like how to, you know, do data analysis and that kind of thing, but also softer skills in terms of uh, like liaising with different stakeholders across businesses and persuading people as to kind of why this is the right, right way to do something. Um, mm. And I thought that it'd be interesting to explore those careers. So essentially I started applying for consulting style roles in my, uh, in my final year at uni. And as part of that, I kind of happened across the <laughs> business analyst role at Capital One. Um, and so I just applied online and that's how I ended up here today. Amazing. So from both of you, pretty somewhat linear, a bit of like, you know, hurdles, not hurdles per se, but, you know, a somewhat trajectory in terms of your journey, of like where you started at university, how you got experience, and then obviously how you inevitably ended up at Capital One. And I think a key takeaway to like our listeners is that you should start building your experience wherever you get opportunity to, whether that's through a placement or, or yeah, an industry or internship throughout the summer, just so that you have some skill sets to add to like your overall portfolio when you start applying to like graduate roles. Um, so thank you both Solomon and Harley for that. Um, my next question, someone's going to take you back in time. Um, I know both of you are from state educated backgrounds and it's typically known that career support is minimal in those um, environments. So how did you go about finding career support to get you to where you are right now? Don't know if Solomon wants to start this time. Oh, never mind. Go on, Harley. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, I don't mind <laughs> starting. Um, it's interesting because like, there's always been career support for me throughout kind of school and college and sixth form and stuff, but it was kind of super basic. Like they just kind of looked at your CV and looked for spelling mistakes and that was kind of it well yeah. at university they kind of took it to the next level um i found that the university support um because they had a lot of support for the year in industry folk and they really like pushed us and showed us like loads of tips on like what to do how to stand out there was loads of mock um assessment centers and if listeners don't know an assessment center is kind of like a day-long like uh interview where you normally have like quite a few activities, a lot of teamwork based things. So it's quite unusual if you've never done it before. So it was really cool to have the opportunity if you needed to, to like experience that and not really have a job on the line. <laughs> Fair enough. Solomon, how about yourself? Yeah, so I, I suppose my experience is somewhat similar to Harley's in that I was aware that some level of career support was 
offered kind of in um in, in secondary school and in sixth form um and also at uni however I never found it quite right for me in mm. the often the things I was interested in I wanted to find out about the people advising didn't particularly know a lot about or just weren't best place to advise on um so for example kind of at school and in sick form I feel like often people are kind of push to dedicate themselves quite early on to a particular career path like uh, yeah. if you want to get into medicine start your kind of work experience and then go down that journey or if you want to be I don't know a lawyer similar or an engineer or you know typical career paths and typical kind of um, university subjects and they push people down those journeys which I think is good for some for certain people but kind of for me I was more in the mode of just exploring and kind of building yeah. my experience to a point where like in the future I'd be ready to get into professional role um and so I kind of did my own thing really <laughs> which <laughs> which just kind of evolved into quite a lot of research online and mm. I kind of had the mindset of well if the support I need isn't available to me now kind of explicitly then I'll just work with what I do have and I'll try and get the most that I can from that so kind of I'd look online and I'd look at different careers that use different skills that I have or was interested in developing um so I looked at kind of job profiles on websites like Prospects, um, yeah. which I think is really good because it kind of shows you like what the day-to-day of the role is like, uh, what prerequisites you need to get into it. So like what kind of degree you will need, what A-levels to pick, um, that kind of thing. And also expected career progression and things like that, which I thought was really useful um, to see like where this career could, could kind of take you. And that kind of put some ideas into my head. Um, so that was that was useful. And then aside from that, I kind of just reached out to friends that I had and friends of friends and parents of friends and just anyone that could give me any insight into any bit of career that I thought might interest me. And I had little chats with them here and there and kind of just slowly kind of started to formulate an idea of what different careers might look like. And then I feel like, although I didn't decide early on, having those little buckets of knowledge really helped um, later when it came to apply to jobs at university. So I kind of had more of an idea of what different careers would look like kind of in, in mm. the job without actually having done them. Amazing. So many nuggets to take away from what you've just said, Solomon, in terms of like using your network to find out insight into like different roles at different companies, but also like taking initiative to like research what roles will suit you if you know there's not support available, whether that's at university or like, even at sixth form or even like after you graduate to find what actually work for you. And I think that's something our listeners can take away from in terms of finding your own opportunities and finding like where you would um, fit best in terms of a career prospect, whether that's at Cabotuan or even elsewhere. Um, so thank you both Harley and Solomon for that. My next question is, what initially attracted you to working at Cabo One within your respective positions? I know, Harley, you said that you always had a thing for tech and Solomon, you said that you always wanted to do something that had a bit of analysis, both on the quantitative side and the qualitative side. But what initially attracted you to your specific roles that you're doing right now at Cabo One? So I, I can go for this uh, yes. first. Yes, let's go, Solomon. Um, <laughs> so what I really like about my job and to be honest, since I've started it, I've been thinking of a concise way to sum up what I do. And I think I finally <laughs> might have one now. And essentially, I love my, my role because I get paid to find smarter ways of doing things. And to Fair enough. Problems. And like, I've always been curious in how things work and how things can be improved. And mm. I basically get to do it on a day to day and get paid to do it. And kind of the work is fairly varied. Like I can work on all manner of projects and in doing so, I get to use quantitative analysis and qualitative analysis, and I get to work with really smart people mm. who all have quite a well-rounded skill set similar to mine, which I just think is really cool. 
Amazing. Thank you so much, Solomon, for a concise answer, which you, you know, been able to do on the podcast today. So we appreciate it. Harley, what about yourself? What made you want to go into software engineering at Capital One? Um, that's a really good one. So I know there's kind of like always a bit of a scary perception on banks and software engineering. I think a lot of people and a lot of people I've spoken to have kind of said, oh, they're all using really, really old systems and kind of outdated tech stacks and old technology, old languages, that kind of thing. But um, Capital One kind of really stood out in that they have quite a modern tech stack. And I wanted to kind of learn modern skills because I can apply them anywhere else if I need them as well to like... Mm. You know, we're really big on like AWS and stuff like that. And it's great to be able to learn that in the setting that Capital One has. And I, I find the work just really interesting. It's kind of an interesting rabbit hole finance. And I'm, I'm kind of an end user as well. Like I have a Capital One credit card. So it's kind of fun seeing kind of the inner workings of something that I use quite often. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, that must be interesting. You know, you have a Capital One, you have a Capital One card must be some packs and benefits that you get for working there and actually using um, the cover to one cloud in the database shopping. I would hope anyway. I'm not sure if we could No, I'm afraid not. <laughs> but it is kind of it is kind of cool and feels quite special when you use it and you're like, oh yeah, I did I did a bit yeah. of that. Yeah, definitely. I can imagine just going into the shop. Oh yeah, you know, this is you know, I have some role to play in this working. Um which is definitely interesting. Um so thank you both Harley and Solomon for sharing your insights thus far. And just to go on to like the next section in terms of like what's like working at Capital One on day to day, like how would you describe your experience thus far of working at Capital One? I think we'll go with Solomon this time first and then Hardy could chime in afterwards. So kind of overall I'd describe the experience as a steep learning curve at first. Um because kind of coming into a consulting style role within finance from an engineering background, so having never done anything similar previously, um was quite different, but I enjoyed that kind of challenge. And, you know, I was supported well um, on that mm. journey. And so I found it quite enjoyable. Um, and also, I think, like, the, the working culture and the working environment is, is really good. Um, like, everyone in the office takes full hour lunch almost every day, which is, you know, sounds simple, but you don't get that at a lot of other places, especially banks. <laughs> um, you know, you get quite a lot of holiday and no one will begrudge you for taking holiday at certain times of the year. You don't have to plan holidays around other people in your team necessarily. So I think um, it's really good in terms of a work-life balance. Um, and also everyone works like relatively reasonable hours. So for me, I think it's it's a really positive working environment and it makes me quite motivated to come to work. Yeah. Amazing. That good culture, you know, working hard, learning a lot, but also having great people to work alongside with because you don't have to feel in pressure, work along hours of putting in a lot of face time, which is something a graduate should also take note of in terms of like where you want to start your career off first and having that balance of working hard, learning a lot and also working with great people who are smart and actually brilliant in what they do. So thank you for that, Solomon. Harley, what about yourself? What has it been like working at Couple to One thus far? Um, starting out, it was a bit strange because uh, we kind of started on the tail end of COVID. So there was a lot of oh, kind of remote work. And yeah, getting onboarded remotely was a bit strange as well because you're kind of meeting your team, but you're not actually meeting them. Yeah. So it it, it was a bit daunting because you're trying to set up all these kind of like bits of technology on your laptop and you're kind of unsure if you've done it right and there's no one really behind you or like over your shoulder to ask. Mm. Fair enough. So, you know, starting with COVID, being like very surreal, 
like how would you say that couple to one helps make that process easier for you specifically Harley when um there's a lot of support so on the on the grad scheme you're given kind of like a mentor and a buddy a mentor is a bit more of a um kind of your day-to-day working kind of support so if you're stuck on a problem Mm -hmm. normally they're like the first person you ask and your buddy tends to be a bit more of a social support so just someone you can chat to so that was always nice just knowing that you could quickly fire a message on slack to them and they respond pretty much instantly amazing thank you so much and just to follow up on that question to both of you what would you say is the most enjoyable aspects um of working at capital one if you could like give one which might be difficult for both of you because i guess you love the company so much well i hope you would you know but (laughs) yeah what would you say is your most enjoyable aspect of working at capital one um, it's the people in the perks for me like my i love my team it's yeah. so much fun like being able to work with like smart people from like really interesting backgrounds like we have like sort of a phd in my team we have people from other countries it's it's just amazing like everyone coming together to solve like technology problems just from you know different experiences different backgrounds and uh, my like Recently, my team, we, we tend to go up like team meals. We go for drinks after work. Um, a few weeks ago, we had like a like a half day of activities to celebrate the end of the quarter. So we did oh. all you could eat sushi, followed by Ooh. going to Lush and getting a load of free bath bombs for free bath Must bomb day. Nice. <laughs> and then we finished it all off of axe throwing. <laughs> and I feel like there's not many companies that really let you do that or you'd have the opportunity to do something like that especially for half a day and it's just like a morale booster like it's just really nice to know that you can do stuff like that and have a laugh while you work definitely that's for and that's sound it because i've been recently and i I was wondering like how that dynamic could work for half a day at work but yeah it's good to ponder so thank you for that harley solomon what about yourself what would you say is the most enjoyable aspect of working at capital one yeah, for me, I think the number one uh, best aspect of working like, in my role at Capital One is just getting to work with really smart people all the time mm. um, and people that are motivated as well and enjoy what they're doing and see purpose in it, which I think is just a really cool, positive working culture and environment. And kind of building on that, yeah, just some of the points that I mentioned before, really, about what it's like working here. I think the office culture, um, particularly like within the business analyst community um, that I know, because obviously that, that, that's where I work. Um, yeah is you know really strong like people are friends outside of the office rather than just colleagues inside the office which i think speaks to the quality of the people that end up getting jobs here uh, mm. and you know we'll all have lunch together we'll just chat about general stuff as well as work and then outside of work yeah like like harley does as well with her team kind of we'll go for drinks and it's just quite an inclusive nice place to work amazing thank you so much for mentioning the word inclusive which is lovely which is a lovely segue into our next question and not sure how much both of you can contribute to this, but how has how has the firm made efforts to be more inclusive and representative of all of its employees? Not sure if Harley wants to chime in first with this. Yeah, sure. So we have kind of loads of like small groups on Slack where like communities kind of form and it's really good for kind of sharing information about the company and sharing problems. So like I'm in the Empower group which is the female in tech community which is quite nice to because you don't get to meet everyone in the company all the time and you're sometimes you're kind of like secluded in your own little area of your department so it's quite nice having that community on like a wider scale and being able to access it so easily through slack and if people don't know what slack is that's kind of like the the messaging service that 
like weird social media thing we have um, on all our laptops. Um, there's also uh, Mind Your Mind, which is kind of our mental health support. And recently, um, unfortunately, we lost an associate, uh, quite a high up one. And uh, the entire company offered grief counselling for any associate that wanted it. So just seeing that level of support uh, was fantastic. Yeah, amazing. And I think it's so interesting to like have a firm at Couple to One who like has all of this at the access of like a, um, a platform like Slack where everybody can just communicate with each other seamlessly, but also be able to find out so much information about the different like support and different ways that the firm tries to be inclusive and to be more like representative of all of its employees in terms of like, even as you said, like the grieving process, which like mental health is a big thing right now in corporate. And I think it's good to see like couples when taking practical steps to make everybody feel at ease when there might be a lot of stress or a lot of pressure. And I guess that's great to hear. Um, I'm not sure, Solomon, you want to chime in regarding to like how you've seen the firm improve um, DNI efforts, if you've seen any in your time at Capital One. Yeah, so I think one thing that I have seen is kind of in my wider department, which we refer to as M&A, which stands for Marketing and Analytics, um, is that recently we've had kind of a big push uh, towards making sure that everybody feels like they're doing really meaningful work and everybody feels included in the team. Um, and as part of yeah. that, there's essentially an initiative that's been titled Include. Um, and essentially that's, it's just starting up at the moment. And that's main goal is to make sure that everybody in the team, no matter what their background is, um, and no matter what their aspirations are for their role uh, and their career at Capital One, all feels as included as possible in the team. So as part of that, there's kind of like surveys that have gone out to make sure that everyone's heard and feels listened to. And then off the back of the results of surveys and other data dives as well, um, We'll, we'll look to kind of implement some strategies to help boost inclusion. Uh, but I think, you know, relative to industry, Capital One is quite an inclusive firm and yeah. generally kind of morale is good in, the, in that area. Amazing. Thank you so much, Solomon and Harley, for your insight on this. Um, I was going to ask, somewhat related but somewhat different, have any of you had the opportunity to help with like outreach efforts to, lo to the local community? As I know Capital One does a lot of support or provide a lot of insight and like advice to like local schools and sixth forms within the area. So I was wondering if any of you've had any experience doing that thus far as graduates within Capital One to date. Yeah, so I've taken part in a few, um, it's called the Pathways events. And we normally have someone go into schools and they normally go with um, different associates and we kind of go for a range of like age groups it tends to be secondary school doesn't we don't really go lower than that but um there's kind of different levels for it for kind of like younger secondary school kids we do more about financial planning and just mm. general finance well for kind of gcse to like sixth form it's a bit more about careers and what they want to do and giving career advice so I've mainly talked to the career ones and we've gone to quite a lot of like underrepresented areas and kind of help them out with just like what they should be like planning for, what they should be thinking about before applying to uni, like what their personal statements should look at, what their CV should look at if they want to go into apprenticeships, like all the different paths that they could go into. But um, I know I haven't taken part in it myself, but I know Capital One also offers um, teaching the elderly how to use technology. I haven't taken part in that myself, but uh, that's another scheme that we offer for our local community. Mm, teaching tech to the elderly. I think I need to get my mum on that programme because it's getting more bearable. <laughs> every day. Don't help me with this with, you know, the phone, but it's alrighty. So that sounds great. Um, thank you so much, Harley. Um, Solomon, is anything you want to add in terms of, like, you know, community and outreach efforts on behalf of Capital One? 
So unfortunately, I haven't had the opportunity or the chance to do this yet. Um, but I do know that kind of community days are a thing um, where essentially employees get to take a day out of their usual schedule to just go and do something positive to help out the local community. So whether that's kind of cleaning, cleaning streets or going into schools or yeah. to paint classrooms or something like that. Um, but I think, you know, unfortunately, a lot of that was paused due to the pandemic. Um, mm. But I think there's a lot of effort has been made to kind of resume that soon. And so hopefully, um, shortly, I should be, get the chance to get out and do some of that stuff. Amazing. Thank you so much, guys. Um, yeah, I think having that sense of working at a firm which has purpose outside of like his day-to-day business is important to like keep people interested in working there and also give them a sense of purpose and pride working at a company that actually helps people like both younger and older and even just the local community in terms of like you know improving like well-being so i think capital one is definitely an attractive place to work both for the work that it does but also for the impact it does outside of um the local communities so thank you both for the insight you've shared um moving on to our final section which is hints and tips for application process at capital one um do you have any advice for students who may be considering to your current role at Capital One, so Harley, that would be being a software engineer, Solomon, that would be being a business analyst. Um, is there any hints or advice you'd give them in terms of succeeding in the application process at Capital One or even at other um, similar organizations? Might start with Solomon this time, if that's okay. Yeah, sure. So I kind of have a few things that definitely help me a lot um, and hopefully will help other people as well. Um, so, so firstly, I'd say like whenever you apply to a role um kind of know the answers to three key questions which is mm. why you why the role and why that company specifically um and i think it's helpful to not only have those answers in your own head um so you're clear why you're applying but also have like just three key like kind of three key bullet points written out for each one of those questions um and i feel like that really helps it interview and it'll also kind of help you pinpoint your exact motivation for the role so that's useful um secondly if you're not familiar already learn as much as you can about common psychometric tests that firms use to kind of filter out applicants um so these include like numerical reasoning verbal reasoning logical reasoning and situational judgment tests um and my advice would be to practice these until you can consistently get high scores um and you know most universities in fact i would I should imagine all universities uh, will have some decent resources to help with that. So, uh, you know, reach out to careers departments um, and ask, like, did they have access to any um, any resources to help, to help to help practice with these things? And if not, there's also free uh, materials that you can find online if you just do a search on Google. Um, and then kind of moving on from that specifically for business analysts and consulting type roles, um, one of the stages that you'll have to pass the interview um, or just in the hiring process in general, is a case study interview, which is a bit different from a normal interview where kind of normal interviews will usually be strength-based. So they'll say, okay, tell me about a time where you displayed leadership, you know, um, why would you like the role, that kind of thing. Whereas a case study interview is you will be taken through a business scenario. So it may be how to increase the profitability of a firm. It may be how to help a firm set a strategy to roll out a new product in a different market, something like that. And essentially your caser, which is your interviewer, will step you through a series of questions um, to help you progress along the business problem. And at each stage, you'll have to articulate your working to get to an an to your answer. And you'll also have to 
explain your answer um, to your caser and you kind of do it conversationally and work through it together. And so it's a bit weird if you've never done it before. So yeah. what I advise is kind of research online and also speak to anyone else who you know has done one uh, or might be doing one. And you can kind of go on YouTube and you can look for examples on how to answer case studies well. And you can actually see examples of kind of current consultants doing case study interviews. And they will give you a really good idea of what a very good answer looks like. And again, just practice those until they start to feel more normal and more comfortable. Uh, I, I think that's, you know, a really good tip. And then lastly, just find out as much as you can about the exact stages you need to pass before yeah. you get the job. So like different companies will have slight differences in process. Um, and, you know, hopefully on the advert for the role or on the company website, it will explain thoroughly what their process is. I know that Capital One does do this for all their roles uh, at graduate and like intern levels, um, but other mm. companies should be the same. And if yeah. you can't find that information in those places, I would just look on places like Glassdoor or any online forums and just see if you can kind of hear from people that have been through the process beforehand, just so you have the best idea possible about what you can expect before you get on that journey. Amazing. A lot of tips and a lot to digest for our listeners. Um, so obviously what Solomon mentioned first is the free, like wise, making sure you have an actual substantial answer, which is to, like show your case to like why you're a good candidate, why the role suits you and like why the firm is a good fit for them. But then also, you know, practicing psychometric tests, which to this day I struggle with, which is unfortunate, um, but we move. Um, but yeah, being able to like tackle those tests at a consistent level, so practice makes perfect. And then thirdly, for the business analyst roles, being able to get your head around the case of the interview, because I know they're big thing when it comes to consulting roles or even like business, business analyst roles, and you need to be able to do it consistently. Maybe it shows that you would fit in the day-to-day role, like what you do as a business analyst. And then finally, knowing what stages you're going to come up against. So actually knowing the actual process from start to finish and knowing what you need to do consistently to do well to get the role. So I, so I think what Solomon has said is a lot of tangible tips for anyone to take away for any role, whether that's in, you know, finance or even other industries to actually be successful. So thank you so much, Solomon. And Harley, what tips would you provide to our listeners who want to go into somewhat similar roles to what you're doing right now? So it's kind of similar to what Sol said. So in, in my opinion, research and prep is key. So yeah. with a lot of tech roles, they open up quite early, the most competitive ones that is. So I actually started applying even before I started third year. So kind of that summer, that August, the yeah. September time. So I recommend anyone, if you're really, really keen on getting kind of like going for the most competitive ones to start then because if you make any mistakes you have like the whole year to find a job so mm. instead of doing it last minute and then having the risk of <laughs> not really having a job and having a weird long period but yeah. um yeah definitely research so like when I applied to CAP I researched the company I looked in the news of what they were recently doing and I actually looked into kind of some of the tech that they've done so I looked into a few projects that they had done um, open source and it was it made some really good talking points for the interview and it made it look like, you know, that I'd actually put a lot of effort and actually really wanted to work for this company. And I recommend if, you know, you really want the job at whatever company you're applying for to do the same instead yeah. of just kind of getting a weird like baseline knowledge of the company that you've just read on Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> very outdated as well if it's on Wikipedia because let's be honest Wikipedia's going through some struggles right now but you know it is maybe really maybe but with but, um, yeah. tech as well they you'd normally be expected to do a few technical interviews 
Um, mm. So there's loads and loads of resources online that can help you with that. Like I, I spent quite a while prepping because that's not my strongest area. I, I hate tech interviews. I get so nervous and I forget everything. So I went on Neat Code. I did loads of problems on there. And I also used YouTube. So there's some fantastic YouTubers that work through loads of common problems that are more than likely to pop up. Mm. And they'll tell you like how they got there, why they got there. And once you kind of learn the tips and tricks into how to solve these problems, they become quite easy and you just start flying through them. Amazing. Thank you so much. And I guess it's interesting, might be different from like, you know, a standard interview when it comes to like tech roles, but would you say that it was something that you, it came easy to you when it comes to like the internal interview or something that you had to consistently develop as you went through the application process? If you don't mind just adding Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I had to keep kind of like topping up my knowledge and stuff because the, the interview stages for CAT was quite long. So it kind of starts off with a basic technical interview, then a few face-to-face ones, then an assessment center. And that assessment center had loads of different things. But I, I feel like the best thing is to, you don't need to be perfect for these. Like yeah. this is a grad level job. You're not going to be, you know, you're not going for a CTO, CEO or anything. You, it doesn't have to be flawless. And I, I was worried about making mistakes when I was doing some of the paired programming interviews. But I feel like if you come off that, you're really eager to learn. Um, it's completely okay to be nervous. They completely understand on the other side because you're only talking to another human as well. And I think yeah. they're normally really sympathetic. And Capcom especially kind of looks for potential and personality at the end of the day. Amazing. Thank you so much. And I think what you said at the end is important to highlight to like students and listeners because for like we tend to get um hanged up in terms of like being perfect where i was like just trying to back, actually being authentic to being a person at the end of the day because employers like couple to one employ people that they want that are obviously good at the job but you know somebody that they can relate with in terms of working within a team environment so i think that's important to know in terms of like listen to like be authentic but also be professional and be the best version of yourself you can be um because like employers buy into personality they buy into someone who's authentic and relatable and I think that's something to bear in mind. So thank you so much, Harley, for that. Um, my last question, or relatively last question, is I'm interested in hearing how Capital One supported you through the application process, as I know that Capital One does like case study support for students, applicants rather, who are going through the application process. So I think Solomon's best place to answer this since I think he probably benefited from that support from Cap. Yeah, so... Um... One of the things that Capital One does, which is really good to help support you in the application process, I kind of mentioned previously, which is they just give a really thorough layout of the application process on their website so you know exactly what to expect, when to expect it. Um, And then secondly, sort of once you get through to the first case study interview, um, all applicants that have reached that stage of the process are invited to a case study practice workshop, where essentially what happens is a current associate um, takes candidates through what's expected of them in a step-by-step manner um, and you, ha- you get the opportunity to kind of learn from other applicants and ask questions to the associates. So you'll go through each question uh, one at a time. And after each question, everyone will be given kind of a few minutes to think through it and present their answer. And then kind of the answers will be chatted through and the associate will give you kind of what you should have got to you. And anyone that's not got there, they'll kind of help, help them get there and explain um, how to get there quicker next time. So I thought that was really useful. Um, and it helps level the playing field for those applicants who are less familiar with case studies before applying. So I think that was really cool. And another part of that case study practice workshop that I found pretty cool is the fact that the person that led my case study practice workshop 
actually ended up in the same team as and so now I work with them on a day-to-day basis um so it's just quite a nice story really it must be splendid, you know. He's like, oh, yeah, sorry, when you're on that um, case study prep for the application process, now you're working with me. So I guess lovely continuity there and the Cabo to One is showing, um, which I think is interesting because I, 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 I don't think I've heard of an employer in any industry or any sector who will take the time to have, like, an actual, like, masterclass of, like, how to actually do well in that particular process of the whole application for a particular graduate or even internship role. So I think it's very important and i think it's something that capital one can boast about rather about how they're actually helping students applicants make the most of the whole application process through the support they provide so thank you so much um solomon for that insight and i guess to wrap up the podcast episode um which has been fantastic so thank you both is what advice would you give to anybody who's just about to start their career um in any way shape or form like from what you've experienced thus far i'll go with harley first that's okay I would say try not to get burnt out. Um, you're only at the beginning of your career, so I recommend not jumping into like so much you get overloaded. Because mm. I felt like I did that in the first few weeks. Like I've got to learn all this. I've got to do all this. But I feel like you know you got to look after yourself. Take it yeah. easy a little. Like you got to almost congratulate yourself. You know you've made it into a grad job. You're doing amazing, and you just got to you know I wouldn't say coast. That's a terrible way to put it. But just enjoy learning and taking taking it easy because like you know uni's over you're working now you might as you know you want to learn as you go along you don't want to burn yourself out yeah enjoy the moment take everything as like a learning experience but also don't feel the pressure like having to do the most where you burn out because then obviously it's a detriment to your health so I think that's a good point but I I do feel like you do need to take opportunities as well like cap one off a loads but again the risk of taking too many is high because there's so many interesting ones that you want to do so just pick mm. carefully yeah find a balance yeah i think that's important thank you so much harley solomon what about yourself what advice would you give to any students or like any young people who are about to start a career so yeah i'd probably give two key points of advice um both targeted at people that haven't landed their grad job yet um just because i think it's can be quite a difficult time when you're applying for jobs and when you find a year at uni there's like yeah. sort of kind of dissertation or final year project, depending on what, what degree you'll do. And, you know, not, not maybe not knowing exactly what you want to do and people around oh, you getting jobs and maybe you're not. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough time. And I think my two key points would be one, just keep your head up, keep mm-hmm. pressing on, expect rejections from jobs happens to everybody. It's yep. likely you'll have to make numerous applications before you land something, but you know, take each one as a learning experience a bit like what Harley said and eventually, you know, have faith that you'll get there. Um, yeah. happened for me. I'm sure it can happen for you too. And the second point is expect to make mistakes. Yes. Then let it get you down. Keep your head up. Everyone makes them. You're going to make mistakes. But the important thing is when you do, you learn from them and you move forward positively. And so I think those two key things are good to have in mind and will help you kind of navigate through that time. Yeah. And I think the resilience, as you mentioned to the first point of like, rejection and like redirection like yeah it helps to build character as well i would say because like you get the odd one person who does one application and you get a grad role which is perfectly fine it's amazing never was that person it would have been lovely if i was but we moved um but i guess it does build character builds resilience and i think that's something that applicants are looking for as well because like in this life nothing goes easy like nothing is handed to you so you need to be able to like build resilience and build that character of like being able to embrace like hardships and like redirection different you know challenges and 
shapes or form but also as you mentioned also is you know not being afraid to make mistakes if you're a perfectionist as well it can be a problem because you feel like everything needs to be perfect where it's not going to be and i guess you mentioned earlier in the episode like as a graduate you're there to learn you're there to like build yourself as well to your knowledge your skill set and you know mistakes are part of that as long as you realize like how to rectify those mistakes it's perfectly fine to like try and make mistakes but also learn from them as well because i think that's where development comes from so thank you for that solomon and yeah i think that's it for today's episode so a huge thank you to harley and solomon for your time i hope you've enjoyed the podcast and again thank you to capital one for allowing this episode to be possible and thank you to the 90 percent foundation for allowing this to happen um i've been joshua your co-host and i think we're going to hear a lovely bye from harley and solomon so thank you so much for your time and we'll hear from you all later Bye, everyone. Bye. Yeah, thanks a lot for hosting. It's been great. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you for being lovely, not co-hosts, lovely guests as well. Really appreciate it. (laughs) Thank you, everybody. (laughs) Thank you. Bye.